When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. I can talk about my perception of Lizzie's lyrics and not being able to make them out, because I know that for a, a great deal of her stuff I've seen written, I've seen it written down, and it's like lyrical. Quite simple words sometimes, but... I think she, my perception is that she's been so insecure over the years that she's not wanted to, like, uh, let people know what she's singing for fear of being judged, for fear of being, you know, laughed at or whatever. So she's taken simple words and twisted them around and made them sound the way she does. Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin. With me, as always, is my brother Travis. And today we are talking about, and today we are diving into Cocteau Twins' second studio album, Head Over Heels, from 1983. So, Q, we did an episode on their 1990 record, Heaven or Las Vegas, back in 2022, the year that we did nothing but 90s stuff, jumped into a bunch of all rock and shoegaze bands from the 90s. Yeah, and we joke, but honestly, dude, I think we could just do an entire podcast on just that music. Right. Right, I agree. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I my exposure to, to Cocteau Twins is... Mostly their '90s stuff. So, I also just recently got into into their 1994 record, "Milk and Kisses," which just had its like 30 year anniversary, like remaster vinyl that just came out. So, yeah, I'm I'm familiar with 1990s Cocteau Twins. What kind of blows my mind is how early this was in the '80s. I don't know. Like I didn't. '83, yeah. '83. And this is just one of those examples where I'm always learning about music. Never stop learning. And it's history. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, this this album kind of blew me away, dude. And it's heavy. A lot of times it is heavy. And what's what's cool is I didn't really think too much about this being a genre, but of course it is. This album is Ethereal Wave. Well, I mean, that's dude. That that 
that's Elizabeth Fraser in a nutshell, dude. Uh, right, right. Like ethereal, right? Ethereal, and that's why I, I, I thought that that clip that I that I brought for the intro was interesting. That was Robin Gut- Guthrie. So he's basically saying that the reason that she like her, like her lyrics are hard to decipher sometimes is because she's purposely shrouding them because she's self-conscious about her lyrics. I mean, that's kind of how he, yeah, how he put it. Interesting. Which is interesting. I mean, it's funny because that's that's like part of, you know, the the appeal of, of Cocteau twins is that they're, you know, it's like they're, they're like an alien. She's like an alien from another planet, you know, like the way right. she talks, sings it's, and stuff. Yeah, ethereal. Um, or, yeah, or maybe, maybe ethereal is better, you know, like an angel. I said alien. Let's go with angel. There we go. Right. And, and um, yeah, this album is kind of considered the uh, archetype of ethereal wave music. So I, of course, you know, rabbit hole time, I kind of dove into like what ethereal wave is. So the defining characteristic of the style is the use of effects laden guitar soundscapes. Uh, Robin Guthrie. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is his style, like to a T. Even to this day, like as his his solo works, that's what he he, you know, sound laden or effects laden soundscapes. Yeah, that's well, what what's interesting does. about I mean, that's what's interesting about that is, is that um, my bloody Valentine hadn't even really defined their sound yet. Right, dude. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like, so like this is this is like a stepping stone to like what we think about a shoegaze, right? Right, and that's okay. Here's the main thing that I've learned in listening to this album. So I think same with you. Beforehand, I was listening to more of their their, their you know their stuff from the '90s, mm-hmm. which uh, has definitely, I guess, mellowed out. Would be like I, I feel like it's more in line with the dream pop aspect. And here we go again, right? But like mm-hmm. their '90s, their '90s sound. I think you think more of like the dream pop soundscape. But yeah, this yeah. early stuff is way more heavy and like distorted. And yeah, so so we need to like I need to start thinking more about how like important Cocktail Twins was. Yeah, yeah. I mean like for like, for, for shoegaze. Yeah, because when you you know, when you think about shoegaze, it's really the, like the late eighties when when the term starts to pop up and stuff like this. So like, yeah, and this is 1983. Yeah. That's, yeah. And we it haven't even a, really gotten into it, man. Cause we haven't even listened to the tunes. Get ready, man. It's, this is, it's yeah. such a cool album. One of my favorite things to do Q is like, go back mm-hmm. far enough to hear like, what were the, how did we get to shoegaze kind of thing? And right. Yeah. Right. So that's, and, and you know, this, this band is always considered like, you know, one of the, the they're in the top. Of, they're of, always of, in the top five. Yeah, and then you know, like like we said, they kind of sway. You know, lean more towards dream pop, but I mean, the guitar effect laden soundscapes. I mean, that is mm-hmm. crucial for shoegaze. You know what I mean? All those yeah. guitar pedals and stuff. Yeah. So, and, yeah it, so and, and it goes on to say, primarily based on minor key tonality. Frequently post-punk oriented bass lines, restrained okay. tempo, and high register female vocals, often closely intertwined with romantic aesthetics and pre-Raphaelite imagery. Now, that was another uh, rabbit hole that I went down, and we'll get into that later, because what the heck is pre-Raphaelite? 
That's just some word the chat GPT made up. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I didn't get that from chat GPT. <laughs> okay. It's mentioned in their, in the ethereal wave wiki page. All right, dude. So let's, let's just dive right into the first track that I'm going to pick. Let's just dive into the sound, bro. All right. So we're going to, we're going to play track two off the record. This song is called five, 10, 50 fold. <laughs> It's just really interesting, you know, like it's just different, you know, well, over 40 years later, it's, it's still like interesting and different, you know what I mean? Yeah. Something about the way that, that, that her vocals are captured, like, yeah, it's, it feels, it feels very like cavernous, which is funny because when I see, when I look at this album cover, I see like a cave. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it is, but yeah, I just feel like I'm, I'm in like a, expansive cave deep underground you know and i'm like turning the corner and i'm hearing this stuff (laughs) well uh so ned raggett or raggett of the guardian ryerson (laughs) uh that just happened recently q groundhog oh yeah he wrote that fraser's singing was more direct in the mix than it had been on the band's first album. Gone you know, I haven't you. really given their first album a, a listen. A, Me neither. A, a proper one, which is Garland, which came out in, I believe, 82, I think. And Q, although her lyrics were still often understandable, she began <laughs> to shift away from conventional vocabulary towards enigmatic emotional sound, 
which maybe is what Robin was saying. Yeah, her voice became just as much an instrument. Yeah. So, like, musicians. speaking of her voice, um, that's, you know, it's her, her not, not to just, like, completely ignore the bass player, but it's, you know, well, actually, what's funny about this particular record is that Robin was the bass player as well. <laughs> so apparently, yeah, he did on all this the record. He did. He everything. wrote all the music. Yeah, that is something. Yeah, it was just them two back then, Trev. Okay, wow. Yeah. So I was just well, there you go. I was about to say her voice plus all of that reverb and all the effects and stuff like that that he put on the guitar mm-hmm. and I guess the bass and everything. Like that's that's what makes Cocteau Twins. You know. That's what makes them the band that they are. That's what <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, but I, I read. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Guthrie says we'd had no previous inclination to make music prior to the Cocteau Twins being formed, so it was a new thing for us. I don't think we were directly influenced by anybody. So. Before, when they they met, they hadn't even really thought about making music, and then it just kind of happened. Like neither of them had any inclination to make music prior to that band forming. So this was their first thing for both of them. They were really young when they when they started. I think he had mentioned he was like, I think he was nineteen and she was seventeen. Um, when they first started making music together, that's young, man. Yeah, I mean that's interesting because. You know, in terms of him claiming that they weren't influenced by anybody, you know, her her vocals have like hallmarks of like eighties vocals, vocalist, right? Right, and they've just, Susie and the Banshees have been around since like the late seventies, so yeah, I could definitely see that. But well, yeah, let me let me just get the name of the lead singer. I've always Su- just thought Susie too. Q, it is, like, dude. You know. it's Su- Susan Janet Ballion. Well, there we go, Susan, known professionally as Susie Sue. Susie Sue, yeah. So I mean, that's the you know, and they you know they had been around for a few years uh, at this point. Um, I wonder if they ever toured together. That, oh, that feels like that would have been. I'm sure they did. That would have been a good a good matchup there. Well, so since I honestly, I my guess is you'd probably you've probably listened to more of their their later albums than I have. What is how does this sound compared to to their their later works? I feel like there was a lot going on on that track, and yeah, she's screaming too in a way. Mm, she's yeah, not really, and not, not you know, for the most part, she's kind of yelling, right? And right. like their later stuff, like in in Heaven or Las Vegas, and then definitely Milk and Milk and Kisses, like it's a little bit more pop. If that, if, if you can say just if you could just use the word pop, right? I mean, like more straightforward pop type stuff. Dream pop, I should say. There we go. Yeah, um, yeah they were just getting getting um, a little bit more m- melodic and more structured. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Is like this this record feels. I don't know. It just felt kind of noisy. It, yeah, yeah. Get ready for more of that, Trev. Okay. <laughs> so, all right, we're gonna jump down to track four, and um, so this is in our angelhood, which has been described as both post punk and proto shoegaze in its sound proto shoegaze draft here we go all right all right again this is in our angelhood (laughs) 
yeah you definitely hear it post-punk for sure yeah and it's very um you could tell it came out in the 80s q that's what i was trying to say <laughs> like okay. it's got you know but not that, that's not an insult i'm just saying like right right right, right. yeah like you know th- this is this is definitely a song that has all the hallmarks of the of the 80s like new there's some new wave stuff in there like yeah post-punk right. stuff um man that's i didn't realize that that robin did every every instrument on this record it's really cool i wonder when the bass player joined he joined um, um not that long after okay um, i think for S- sunburst and snowblind which is a little ep that came out in the same year i believe he was on that one so this is just like there you know this is just two two people that wanted to make some music together and so Robin's like i guess i'll play the bass and, and i'll figure out a drum machine and stuff so we can get some proper proper tunes yeah. here right and which is cool because 80s is, is about the time when you were able to do that yeah you know because you yeah. had electronic drum you know, and that sampling and all that, that stuff that's i think that's kind of what i'm yeah what i mean when i say like you could tell it was made in the 80s because like that the drum the drum machine right right has a sound like has a distinct you know characteristics to it and stuff like that there's only there's only however many different drum sounds that are samples and stuff yeah yeah yeah, exactly but that 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 contributes to the to the sound you know but yeah that was compared to the first song that we played like much more of a straightforward um melody and pop song yeah right and then yeah all that reverb man like that's kind of what robin is known for it's like he just he has this sound that he gets out of of his guitar that is heavenly q dude and he was i mean early he was probably in his early 20s when this came out well what have i done with my life i just i'm saying dude (laughs) i know (laughs) well here's another here's another quote from that Regette fella who wrote for the guardian he said fraser's voice became just as much an instrument as those played by her musicians including guthrie's multi-layered and heavily reverberated guitars he also remarked in our angelhood probably fits the bill best and it's a track that would have sounded out of place on Susie and the banshee's kaleidoscope so i'm wondering if he's saying kind of like i was saying earlier like there's there's the, like there's some pretty obvious comparisons you could make to Susie and the Banshees with like the vocal quality and stuff, but what's like making them stand out is just how like instrumental her vocals are and how you know reverb drenched like Guthrie's guitars are. You know what I mean? Right. So that's interesting because like that 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 tells me that, that yeah this 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 group was was getting compared to to Susie. You know. Because it's yeah, it's 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 right there, dude. Like her her vocals sounded a lot like Susie back then, at least. Yeah. So actually, I'm I'm reading something here that's pretty interesting, dude, about her vocals. So Robin says here, Liz likes to hear her vocals a certain way through the fold back when we're playing live. So we have everything going through an ADT and a Delta Lab digital delay. Obviously, there are effects on the vocals out front as well, but those vary from gig to gig because different PA companies have different racks of effects, which is why we try to keep the foldback sound consistent. In the studio, I normally record Liz's vocals completely dry, only adding effects at the mixing stage. That way you can go back to the beginning and start again if you want to change something. So she likes the way her vocals sound up on stage. 
maybe the way that it sounds back on the like the the monitors that are facing them and then echoing out into the crowd so it kind of sounds like he's trying to capture that on record that's just kind of what i read that which which i think is interesting hmm. okay interesting yeah all right well let's see what else we got here q all right Trev. here we go let's jump down to track six i'm ready it's another doozy dude this one's called in the gold dust rush track man no clue what the, what the hell she's saying <laughs> but that's i mean to me that's part of the charm of cocktail twins man yeah it's just, i think so yeah but here's what i like about that first of all the the haircuts were <laughs> something else <man. laughs> something know, else dude you just pulled up like, like a it's just like a like a magazine so just for anyone who's interested skin. their their website is actually really cool i love when when bands especially bands that have been around forever actually have like clippings yeah from press the, coverage and stuff yeah yeah that's, yeah, yeah. That, it, dude dude for every single every single year is that's covered, amazing basically. yeah that's yeah really and cool. you yeah and you click on a link and it a lot of them are just yeah look at this dude photocopies a, oh that's awesome from dude the, yeah. um, anyways first of all that's just this is a podcaster's dream q <laughs> i know dude that's why i know that's funny because i i did all the like quote-unquote research for this episode yeah, yeah literally half an hour before we started and i i just all thanks to their website all thanks to their website but yeah dude the hair is robin's hair is insanity Ridiculous. it's even worse than uh 
what's his name uh, from the the cure smith robert smith or robert smith yeah i mean it looks like those birds you know with like the the fluffy little puff you know tough birds of, of, when of they're, they're courting for their mates doing so, little dances uh, yeah, something stuff. like that <laughs> yeah if you're a bird enthusiast out there you probably know what i'm talking about but anyway like what i like about his, that, that track and i feel like maybe this is part of like the dynamic between robin and elizabeth is like she's again like being very like very forward and like almost screaming with the vocals right but his guitar sound is so soft and like you know kind of more in in the background of the song yeah so like her her vocals because his 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 instrumentation like his guitars are so soft it makes her vocals even more impactful i feel like it just feels like you're getting sort of like slapped in the face with her vocals which sounds yeah dude like i'm insulting but that's that's a compliment you know what i mean the way that her her vocals are like mixed in the song they're so like in your face up front you know what i mean yeah but also shrouded behind those effects that he he adds to it yeah you take away her vocals and like what a cool guitar track melody like yeah. guitar tone like his tone yeah, the melody and all that stuff just great and the bass line like it like it mentioned in you know the description of ethereal wave it's very post-punk oriented mm-hmm. bass lines but yeah it's interesting that they're like oh we never even thought about making music until we just bumped into each other or whatever and we weren't influenced by anything it's like they had to be influenced by somebody <laughs> right but yeah this um article from 83 i don't know what the publication is but cocktails that's funny cocktails is the name of the the article yeah it says here i I thought this was a good way to put it it says they don't seem to have any inkling of the calculation or organization that everybody is telling you that you absolutely must have to produce a record these days Uh Uh all i can gather is that the music sort of wells out of them from a source untarnished by any of the fakery and tinsel that afflicts the charts in massive doses that's why we're still talking about him, right? <laughs> Forty years well, later, I, I think what's what's interesting about someone saying that in '83 yeah. is that this sound felt like it came out of nowhere in '83. They were defining a new sound, N- untarnished by the fakery and tinsel that afflicts the charts. This doesn't sound like the radio-friendly '80s yeah. sound, yeah. You know, from the early '80s. So I think that's cool that this was something different. Yeah, and this was only '83, which so I mean they're they're Trailblazers, cute. Trail, dude, and yeah, get rid of this. Am I about last, to be trailblazed? Yes, Trev. This right. okay. This is the last song for the episode. Last song on the album. My favorite track, dude. You gotta love you gotta love a banger for the the last track. This is beyond a banger, man. Yeah, we're doing two clips. Like, we're doing two what, clips. Cue this is what we talk about, man. You gotta make it to the last track. I gotta listen oh, to every God. track, or you're gonna if miss you, out, Travis. You're not ready for this, okay? I'm not. I mean, I am. Si- I'm. I'm sitting down. So. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. So this is mute. Wait, I don't even know how to say this. Muset. Muset and drums.
you know, we're 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 recording early in the morning, Q, so words <laughs> aren't coming to the forefront right now. But that's maybe that's the point, dude. Maybe that's the point. And I was gonna say maybe you're just left speechless because of what you just heard. You can't just des- can't describe it, you know. Right. Yeah, his his guitar playing is kind of uh you know, he he does a lot of like kind of sliding like yes sl- you know he and, still and, does that i say today but like yeah he still does that with his yeah and a lot yeah. of his solo stuff too but that's and that's part of that like you know experimenting with the guitar that like goes on to probably you know turn into the glide guitar of kevin shields you know what i mean right this is probably like yeah, sort of like the beginning of that just what what can i get what what sound can i get out of this guitar you know what i mean yeah all right man so we're just gonna i'm gonna fade it back in and we're just gonna play the rest of the the song best is yet to come let's put it this way this is how you end a record okay here we go just the driving like overpoweringness of the way they end that track with that just wailing guitar effects and man just just gives you gives you gooselies man let me read a little bit farther down in this article Travis. this kind of wraps it up real nice man the way like this music just kind of gets you especially Mm -hmm. on this record it says um their records, and particularly their last LP, Head Over Heels, and the accompanying EP Sunburst and Snowblind, are great washes of swirling sound with the vocals calling darkly through dense fogs of chorused guitar and booming rhythm. 
garnished with chiming melodies and a sense of drama that leaves me breathless. A sense of drama. I like that. Hmm. You know, this is why we leave it to the the writers out there to form <laughs> sentences. So you got to leave it to the pre-Raphaelites. Yeah. Did we ever figure out what that was? Did you, did you say what that was supposed to mean? Yeah. Pre-Raphaelite. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, if, if you're calling someone a pre-Raphaelite in modern times, uh, <laughs> let me pull up ChatGPT. Uh, so this is what ChatGPT says. Okay. <laughs> in modern times. <laughs> Uh, you would likely be referring to their aesthetic preferences, artistic sensibilities, or perhaps their personality traits, Trav. Pre-Raphaelites, it was like a, a movement in art. Okay. Specifically. Okay. okay. Where, um, yeah, they were they were drawn to like Renaissance. This is mm. 1800s. And yeah, it was like, a yeah, they, they didn't like the way Raphael and Michelangelo painted uh, <laughs> landscapes in and the you know the human figure or whatever the way that okay. they would pose and stuff got it so this was kind of a movement away from that and also like the way that they it was kind of like a whole like a social movement too these were the hipsters of, of that time okay, okay. Of, so how does that apply to the 80s and cocktail twins like they're saying that so this that was that was specifically in describing ethereal wave uh but, in but the still, uh, the, the aesthetic mean? of it okay okay yeah all right that's fair enough because like yeah, yeah when yeah. you look at some of the the album art and stuff like that and maybe like the font right. choice of very cock- goth to- yeah you can see and like that. like renaissance goth not like yeah yeah black sure. males yep. painted goth <laughs> i think they even kind of dress like that too right, right a little right. bit uh, like okay. dude everyone on the 4 ad label back then got it you know Susie, um shit whoever else was on 480 they were all on 480 i feel like yep all right man so that's head over heels that's my picks worth it to listen to all the way through obviously um sugar hiccup is another great song apparently there weren't any like singles as in like you know songs that they promoted hmm. for the album so i would say sugar hiccup is is a sign that's more I guess radio friendly. Okay. Uh, maybe we can fade out with that one just just for fun. All right. Um, but yeah, it definitely it, fantastic record all the way through. Obviously, gives it a really good context of. I get yeah, proto shoegaze, post punk proto shoegaze, ethereal wave. This is it, man. Yeah, nineteen eighty three. It was yeah, it's already there, and. Yeah, you can definitely see how Kevin Shields and definitely all the, the influence, yeah, the, the influence, influence for sure is there. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's all. Besides her amazing vocals and lyrics, like the sound, that's Robin Guthrie. You know? Oh yeah, that's the proto shoegaze sound. I feel like comes a lot from Guthrie and his effect pedals on that guitar and the way he plays it. Definitely. Well, okay, so so far this year, Q, we've covered Dinosaur Jr. Mm-hmm. and we've covered Cocteau Twins. So what do we do next? I'm thinking that we do a, a nice 180, if you will. I like 180s. And uh, we talk about 
Deftones. I've kind of been teasing that a little bit. Let's do it. And that would be an interesting, uh, some whiplash here, you know, I think coming from the heavenly ethereal Elizabeth Fraser, right? And uh, Robin Guthrie. So, okay. So I, I think I talked about this last month on the last episode that I was trying to, I was kind of torn between two different um, albums of Deftones, but I have landed on, you know, one of their most popular records, Around the Fur, came out in 1997, 13 years later from this record, no, 14 years later, and grunge has already happened, right? So like, Shoegaze was defined and really came into its own late 80s, right? grunge happened right around the corner and then deftones which kind of falls in like the new metal camp you know what i mean of 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 metal uh and like alt rock and stuff like that so should be interesting q and finally uh, crank up the volume a little bit in terms of the distortion so well i think this is one cool thing about doing just one deep dive a month is because I think we're going to, yeah, we're going to end up kind of bouncing around a little bit more than, oh, than yeah. what we, we were doing when we were, you know, cranking out an episode every week. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be fun, man. But I yeah, think, hey, but yeah. in between, in between this week and, and in between this episode and that one, we'll have another What You Heard to kind of, right. to mix it up as well. Yeah. To cleanse the palate before we go, go on to Deftones. Because with our What You Heard, it's always, uh, you know, a pretty good mix of of genres and decades and stuff so for sure cool so you can find us on instagram if you want to reach out to us just search for no filler podcast uh send us your send us your tunes what have you been listening to lately what what kind of bands are you into could be a brand new song could be a 40 year old song uh if we you know if we like uh, a, a song that that you send us we might play it as the outro to our what you heard episode for the month so again find us on instagram no filler podcast uh you can also find us on the pantheon podcast network if you want to listen to more great music centered podcasts it's pantheonpodcast.com q thanks for bringing the tunes anytime brother gotta go back and uh, listen to listen to more of that 80s cocteau twins man i've been for missing sure, out man yeah all right we're gonna fade out with Sugar Hiccup from Head Over Heels. And yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks, as always, for listening. My name's Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 